This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Tamar Gonim. Tamar, thank you for taking us on your career journey. No problem. My pleasure. We're having fun already. We're having fun already. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And please tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? It might actually be easier for me to answer what I didn't want to be when I grew up, because there were a lot of things that I wanted to be when I, when I grew up. Um, me personally, I was not one of those people that had uh, like a magical beam of light shine down on me and say and, and have a, a moment of epiphany where I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I always really was in, passionate about creative stuff. I was good at math when I was younger and probably could still say I'm good at math right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was really, I, I, there were moments when I wanted to be in athletics. There was moments when I wanted to be a doctor, an engineer. Uh, but a, a theme that kind of uh, ran through a lot of it was I was always very passionate about creativity. I wanted to be an artist at different times as well. So was, I wanted to do a lot of things when I grew up, but it was never super clear that one specific thing that just w was immediately obvious or crystal clear. Right. I was kind of the same way. I, I liked to draw when I was a little kid, but I never had the real clear, this is what you want to do, you know, that kind of stuff. So we're very similar in those respects. <laughs> okay. So I'm not alone. I'm not alone. No, no, That's good. <laughs> no, no. You're not alone. Well, what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies while in school? Was it art, math? It, what was it? It was definitely art. So like I mentioned, I was, it was good at math. I uh, have a, come from a family of engineers. And a doctor. My sister's a doctor. So I was good at math, but the, the subject that I remember the most fondly, that I was most excited and had a lot of fun in, was uh, the art class that I took. I only, I only took one. Oh, you only took one? Really? Yeah. What, what grade were you in at that point? I think it was my senior year, and that's when I realized I might have had fun if I had taken a couple more of these. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only. Exactly. So rather than you know stay another year, which probably no one would have been super excited about me doing. Right. I, I just did the one, but I really enjoyed that class. I had a lot of fun. Right. We did a lot of drawing and painting and ceramics and all sorts of stuff. Right, right. Well, that's really cool. Well, what was your first real job? When were you got a paycheck and felt like you had some responsibility? My first real job was the, the glamorous role of working as an associate at Walmart. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so that was quite a while ago. So that was in, in high school. It was a summer job. That was the very first one. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot from that. It was a really good experience. The other job that I had was uh, working in a movie theater. So that was a little bit more entertaining and fun. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we know what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was something creative. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> what do you do today? So today I'm, uh, I'm a calligrapher. So uh, I do a lot of work uh, for clients. I do some digital products. I create a lot of content that I share online, some tutorials and teaching materials, things like that, just to help others learn the craft and, and learn the art. I feel like it's a, maybe a dying art as everything goes digital. So I'm really passionate about helping people connect with kind of the old, more traditional tools like just pen and paper. Right. Well, that's really fascinating. That's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you because you never hear about calligraphers nowadays. It seems <laughs> like it's a dying art in some respects. It's good yeah. to hear that you're uh, 
doing that and teaching others how to do that. So speaking of which, how did you get to become a calligrapher? If you could kind of walk us through your career path and the different things you've done up until today. Sure, absolutely. So on the, on the calligraphy path, honestly, I've always been, like when I thought about it, I've, I've always been interested in penmanship. So I even went back and found some old just handwriting notebooks that I had as a kid that I remember I spent hours just playing with, drawing. I know I don't think they teach it anymore, but drawing cursive letters out, if anyone knows what that is. I don't think, yeah, <laughs> I don't think today's youth know what cursive is, but maybe they do. I, I don't believe that's being taught anymore. Yeah, I don't believe so. It's more of like a, a fancy calligraphic style of handwriting. So I had books where I would practice that and, and just enjoy doing that and then Always kind of enjoyed having good penmanship and pens and paper and stuff like that. And then as life kind of got busy for a long period of time in the middle there, as I got went to college and did other things, things went more into the digital space. And I found after a while, like after, I used to have pride in my handwriting and stuff like that. I found that my handwriting had gotten pretty bad. And there was a moment there where I thought, you know, everything's going digital. I think it would be nice to just spend a little bit more time connecting with traditional tools again and and re, re, reinvigorating that passion that I used to have. So I stumbled on a video that was about fountain pens and was absolutely mesmerized by it. I watched <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it. I probably watched it a few times sitting there and then found all of these other videos and then got into fountain pens and all the inks and the papers and all of that stuff. And then that led me down the path into calligraphy, which is where I am now. So where do you go for training for calligraphy? You can go there. Are, there's a lot of online uh, material that you can find. I'm not sure of a lot of structured classes, although there are some on Skillshare and websites like that. There are some people will actually learn from uh, mentors and masters. I know a couple of people that are doing that who have like a, a master who's somebody who's been practicing the craft for a long period of time who they go take classes from every week. They learn different styles, the pens, the paper the inks. So that's one probably more traditional master apprentice approach. Again, there are, there are materials online. I'm, I'm trying to get some more materials online myself. That's some of the stuff that I'm working on these days. But I mostly learn from watching a lot of YouTube videos and just a lot of practice myself. Right. And so what does that end product look like? Like, what are you doing calligraphy for exactly? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it can be a variety of things. Like I mentioned, some of them can be products for clients or customers. So somebody could approach me and say, based on things that I've shared online or based on other work they've seen that I've shared in a gallery or in a show or something like that, they could approach me and say, hey, we really like this. We'd like to have something similar. They may have words that, they, that they're that they particularly passionate about that they'd like for me to design in a specific way. Uh, or it could be a character. I do some abstract stuff that can either be completely abstract or can take the shape of like comic characters. That's one thing that I'm getting more popular for online that I, I personally love doing. So it can be that type of stuff or an end product that I, I could just make something that's uh, out of practice or something that I sit down and just try to creatively make. It can be shown in a gallery. I've been in a few shows and created pieces for charity auctions and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of how the end products can, can get out there. Now, it sounds like it's morphing into some different avenues, maybe traditional calligraphists wouldn't have thought of or as a student. So it, can you talk a little bit about the online aspect of it, the virtual aspect of it? Yeah, yeah. So there, online, there, there are a number of things that you can do. So a lot of the things that I'm pursuing these days involve like brushes for Photoshop, potentially. There are some iPad apps these days, one that's 
that's very popular is called Procreate, and people create brushes for that uh, application. So it can be brushes and tools for people to actually use to create their own calligraphy, whether that's digital or, or you can print, you can obviously print that stuff. Um, it can also be just teaching materials. They can be uh, collections of artwork that can be sold as digital products like eBooks or uh, just images that people might be interested in downloading as stock art, things like that. So it, it, there's really a, a myriad of different uh, venues these days digitally for you to get your, your art out there and share it with people and, and teach people or give people tools right right okay well that's cool so we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up which was something creative and what you actually <laughs> do today which is something creative so if you could do it all <laughs> over again what would you do differently to be completely honest i'm not sure i would change anything i, I think every journey is a unique one and uh, if i had changed something i may not have i may not be where i am now which i'm, I'm happy with where i am now I've, I've been very lucky and and worked very hard to to get where i am now so i'm, I'm not sure I wouldn't really change anything because that might change the outcome. I kind of think I I could certainly have learned a lot more stuff along the way, I would say. I've been more reflective and thought about a lot more stuff, but I, I, I'm really appreciative for the journey that I've had, the struggles, the, the challenges, the good stuff. It, it all kind of has helped shape the path that I've followed and, and the place where I've ended up. So, What advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do, who wants to be a calligraphist? I would spend some time thinking about what, what you are, what you like doing. Like there, there are a lot of, even within calligraphy, there are a lot of different paths. There are people that do wedding invitations and things like that. So a much more traditional style of calligraphy. There are people that do calligraphic art, which is more along the lines of what I do, which is commissions and stuff like that. So number one, I would start practicing. The The lucky thing with calligraphy is that there aren't, there's not a huge barrier to get into it. You just need a pen and some paper. The pens can be a little specialized, but very luckily they're not, they don't have to be super expensive. For the kind of calligraphy that I like doing, I would highly recommend uh, Pilot Parallel Pens. They're very cost effective. They come with ink and everything you need to get started. They even come with some instructional materials that you can use to, to get started as far as how to build the characters. How did you get the word out about your business as a calligrapher? That's been a lot of networking and uh, and connecting with people and really just sharing the content. So I, I put a lot of stuff out on social media. I, I did a challenge last year, which was a 365 challenge, which was pushing myself wow. to try to share okay. something new every day. And so that was, that really, it, I'd gone from probably sharing stuff once a quarter or maybe once every six months because <laughs> I, I tend to be a bit of a, a perfectionist at heart. So I would always be hesitant to share. So this was kind of a push to just go and share some content and, and just put my stuff out there. So it's really just sharing your content, engaging with people, building relationships. I got involved with several other creative uh, people that are here in my community in, in Houston and others that are around the world in a couple of other communities and just connecting with them and getting inspiration from them and talking with them and you know, like each of us sharing each other's content and, and lessons learned and stuff like that. It, it's really, to me, about building communities and just sharing your work. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? I know you kind of referenced a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. There. So I'm working on a lot of projects right now that are more teaching focused. So I'm really excited about some upcoming video uh, courses and, and uh, videos that I'm working on that will help explain my process for creating calligraphy, the characters, the, the, like the actual letters, how I how I build them and how I structure them. And I'm also really excited. I get a lot of questions about some of the abstract art that I do. So I'm really excited about a set of videos that I'm working on 
on how I build the uh, the abstracts that I create because I get a lot of interest and, and curiosity about how exactly those are made. Now, so. do you have a YouTube channel that you put this information out on? It is coming soon. It is coming soon. Okay. All right. Well, we'll do an update. If for listeners, you can go to learnfromothers.org and sign up for our newsletter. I don't spam anyone. It's like one or two a month. So <laughs> I'll give, be sure to have a shout out for when your YouTube channel is up and running. Thank so you so much. You. My guess, it will most likely be my name, which is my handle for most of the social media platforms. Right. And stuff. There's not a lot of you out there. So I would assume no, that I'm that's not, I, not there's taken. There's like one or two. There's one or two. But <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, and as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And I'm a huge car enthusiast. And we don't know each other, but I get the sense that you might be a car guy as well. So could you tell me what was your first car? I'm going to tell you my first two cars, if that's okay. So that's the first, yeah. the, the honest first car was a Honda Accord, which I was, it was a very reliable, great car that I had in high school. Uh, when I uh, finished college and had an opportunity to buy a car for myself, I bought a Pontiac Firehawk. Oh, a so Firehawk. Any, yeah. yeah so, if any, so it's the closest that I could get to the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me see if I got this correct. So... Mm-hmm. That is the Pontiac Firebird, but not only is it top of the line, but it was a special built by a third party, but they sold them in Pontiac dealerships, correct? Like it was, it's like the, yes. the Ford Mustang Saline. It was not only the top of the line Pontiac Firebird, but it was to take to the next level, correct? Yeah. So they were limited edition. I, and I was just, I can't say that I ordered it custom or anything like that. I was lucky that I walked I live in a big town, so Houston, one of the dealerships, had it on the lot and uh, said this is uh, – it looked different because yeah. the hood scoops. I don't know if you remember the the old Pontiac Fire, but there was the Trans Am and then there was the Trans Am with the Ram Air that had these very Batmobile-like yeah, hood scoops yeah. for the air intake. And then the Firehawk had a slightly more subtle one, but they had one on the lot and I just totally fell in wow. love with it. And there was the Honda Accord, but that's the one that I was most passionate about was that Firehawk. What happened to that car? It stayed with me for, for several years and I eventually uh, sold it or traded it in after it started to begin to fail and stuff like that. I, I, I drove it. I drove it all around and loved driving it. So unfortunately, it started to just mechanically fail after a while. So Well, and those are actually starting to appreciate in value. I know. I, I wish I had kept it now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's great. Well, what is your dream car? That was the dream car at the time. Right now, I would say I'm a huge fan of the, the current Corvette styling. I kind of like that uh, kind of the, the muscle car look. So I, I really like the current Corvette. One great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car based on your job, which when you're thinking right. of a calligrapher, you're like, what direction are you going to go in on this? <laughs> so I kind of went all over the place, honestly. <laughs> one of the things I was looking at, one of the top trends right now is Sharpie cars. Have you ever heard of a Sharpie car? That sounds incredibly familiar, but it's not a picture's not coming to mind right now. Well, what it is is people will take a car and they'll just grab a Sharpie pin and decorate it with a Sharpie pin, the whole car. And if you Google that, there's some really cool ones people have done online. So I thought about that, but that's not a particular car. That's something that people <laughs> are doing to cars. 
So then I decided, well, let me look into pinstriping. So I looked into pinstriping, and the granddaddy of pinstriping is Von Dutch. Have you ever heard of Von Dutch? Again, it sounds familiar, but I, a picture is not coming to mind. Well, he was one of the first like hot riders in oh. the, I think it was the 40s and 50s. And he was known as, he's known as the father of the modern pinstriping. So when you look at his cars, he was the first person to ever pinstripe a car and make it really popular. He worked with like George Barris, who created the first Batmobile, the Munsters oh. car, and all sorts of the crazy Hollywood cars. He did all the crazy pinstriping. So I started looking at the cars he worked on. One of the cars he worked on was a 1951 Mercury, which it was kind of cool, but it wasn't awesome. Well, I Googled 1951 Mercury, and that's where I found your car. So the car I found for you is a 1951 Mercury convertible, but not any car. There's a red one that was pinstriped like crazy, and it was owned by uh, David Lee Roth, and it was in two of the Van Halen videos. So that's the car I picked for you if I had all oh, the money in the world. That sounds company awesome. Car. <laughs> I really want to go look at a picture of it now. I will send you one. Uh, so it's a beautiful car. It's a beautiful red convertible Mercury that was in it was in California Dreaming, I think, was one of the videos. Uh, anyways, two of the famous Van Halen, Halen videos. That's that the car is so I cool. I'm really curious now. It sounds like a kind of car I would love. I I love convertibles, obviously, when the weather cooperates. But right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so much fun. Convert, I've never owned a convertible. but uh, Well, there you go. Awesome. Oh, that's a great choice. <laughs> good, good. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your work? I would be thrilled if they came and uh, visited me on Instagram. My handle is Tamar G. Gonim. Uh, my name, it's tough to spell, but hopefully uh, we'll maybe yes, be some links or be. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, my website, which is just tamargoneem.com. You can find me either place. And I'm always excited to meet new people and help them out and interact with them. I really, I really enjoy that. So would love to connect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your career journey today. Thank you so much, Greg. I genuinely appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at GregStanleyLFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.